Hi everyone, this is Tina Spangler with TLC Barrels and welcome to my podcast. Today is going to be part two of understanding horses and I really think to understand horses you have to understand humans. So um, something to think about is we all make mistakes, right? And um, what would this world be if no one gave you forgiveness for your mistakes? God didn't forgive you, your spouse, your family, your friends. That's a horrible way to live with no forgiveness. And again, there's not one human that doesn't make a mistake. You can be sorry and say you're sorry and and do better, but that's just part of how we are. We make mistakes. Horses are the same way. So you really need to look at yourself if you forgive your horse for their mistakes, if you try to be a better teacher. and help them, help them learn to not make those mistakes. If you're someone who buys and sells a lot of horses because the horse is just never good enough, they just, you know, aren't cutting the, the what you want them to be, it might be a time to take a look at yourself and say, is this me? Is it really me that, that it, the problem is it's not the horse? Um, one of the things I hate most is when a rider comes out of an arena after competing and blames the horse for the hit barrel or going by the barrel or whatever and, and you know is angry with the horse. I know you, it's a competitive situation and sometimes we're on adrenaline and emotion, but nine times out of ten, it's going to be a rider cue or a rider preparation or a mental situation, you know, of nerves or whatever, but... Um, it's not going to be something that it's going to be the horse's fault nine times out of ten. So I think it's really important as a coach, um, as a trainer, as giving clinics and lessons for the last 20 years here in Florida. Um, I really had to look at psychology of the human in order to help the horse. That's what Ride With Heart was about. It was about helping one horse and rider have a better team and be the best team they could be. And you can't team build a horse and a rider if you don't understand where the rider is coming from. So you have to understand, you know, why why are some riders... Um, okay with running a horse that's not prepared or pulling and yanking on a horse through the pattern or blaming them for everything or totally okay with going with severe tie downs and and more severe bridles and entering over and over and over and not paying for a lesson or a clinic or to go see the veterinarian I think about that often and I think are they really just that Do they just not know? Are they just don't understand? Maybe they're just that self-absorbed into their own goals and the horse is just a commodity? Or maybe they just don't know because I mean, if you don't know, then you don't know. So I think about a lot of that, but I also think about the human and what kind of childhood they came from. What kind of disciplined life did they live in? Were their parents really passive and, and you know, Bobby couldn't do no wrong? Were their parents extremely aggressive and, you know, yelled and screamed and belittled and hit you for any mistake you made and and you lived in constant fear of, of being disciplined too harshly? Or did you have good parents that just had normal boundaries and normal rules and consequences if you didn't meet those rules, but still a very loving home and, and taught you how to do things and, and you knew the boundaries and and they gave you a good lesson plan to grow as a human and, and know why it was important to go to school and have good grades and then get a part-time job and be honest and, and 
not quit things and you know stand by your word and all of those things that are important um, as human people as human traits you know um, a lot of times I look at some of my writers and some of them are hardcore perfectionist it's never good enough and they pick 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 and they overwork their horse and overwork themselves and they try super super hard others are extremely emotional and get angry and frustrated all the time and want to quit Others are just completely shut down and cannot tell me what, what's bothering them or what's wrong. Um, and some of them suffer from like an addiction. They go really strong one way or really strong the other way. It's not like it's almost like a bipolar effect. There's no happy medium. They're either all in or all out or, you know, to that extent. And, and honestly... Horses deserve better than that. They deserve better than someone being such a perfectionist. They don't know when to say when. Um, they don't. They don't need someone who's shut down and won't work with them and communicate with them. And they don't need someone who's inconsistent and going left one day and right the next day and changing programs and training all the time on them. They need consistency. They need repetition. They need a teacher. They need a teacher who is fair and kind and comes to this from a point of care, you know, and and of progress. Um, You think of a teacher and you think usually a teacher has their job because you know they're not making a fortune they're they it's usually because they love children they want to help children and so when I think of me with horses I'd rather be thought of as a trainer I mean as a teacher than a trainer or a competitor a competitor if if that's your only goal the competitor loves to win so maybe the horse is just that for them a commodity Um, you know, maybe they'll push them beyond their limits or maybe they'll run them before they're ready. Maybe they'll sell them because they're not working out. Um, but a lot of times, most of my clients, I would say are in the middle of that. They're a combination of that. They get very attached to their horses. They're more like their family members and they put the horse first and they want to give them a fair lesson plan and they just want to learn how to communicate with them. So I think that they're most of my clients are probably somewhere in the middle of the uh, of that. Okay, so um, I think you have to be. I don't think you can be that perfectionist because it's going to cause your horse to have bad habits. They're going to shut down. They're going to quit they, because you won't quit when they're trying. It's never good enough. Or the teacher, um, you know, the teacher is going to accept. If you come to it from an aspect of the teacher and you're going to accept their improvements, right? You're going to say, okay, um, I, you know, I know you're today, you've made some progress, so I'm going to quit on a try. That's why I like things done in sets of three. If my horse tried on the second time, I'm going to move on from it. I'm going to, I'm going to look at things in an aspect of, I'd rather have eight hours in one week to work on this one specific thing than eight hours in one day because the horse is going to get tired. They're going to get aggravated just as you or I would if your boss was constantly trying to get you to learn one task for an eight hour day versus giving you a week to kind of get familiar with a program or a new new thing at your job. 
So um, I probably would say my least favorite to work with is the know-it-all. They blame the horse for everything. I feel like the perfectionist, I can teach them to back off. I feel like the teacher is coming to it from the same place as I am, but the know-it-all is aggravating to me because they blame the horse, they keep making the same mistakes over and over, they enter everything, compete at everything, but won't ever get help to make improvements or changes or a better life for the horse. So for me, that's the hardest one. So I really think it's important for people to analyze why they do what they do and maybe why they're overly passive or overly aggressive or maybe why they're right in the middle. you know, maybe why they are uh, feeling the need to not know when to back off or even how to build a lesson plan and set goals and how to break those goals into little baby steps and be satisfied with a baby step. So I think that's really, really important um, that people really dig deep and and pay attention to that. Um, I I think it's also really important that you give your horse... um, questions that they can answer yes to so like for instance if my only goal today was to get my horse to um, drop their left ear down two inches today when I put one ounce of pressure on my left rein so I put one ounce of pressure on my left rein and the left ear is going to go to the left and down one or two inches if that was my only goal and I broke it into small pieces if I asked and they didn't do it I could increase that pressure to a pound and then when they gave I would release and that was my goal so I could take that into baby steps or maybe I'm walking in a straight line and I'm having trouble getting my horse to face flex so instead of just picking up my hand and holding and putting my calf into them really hard and my spur into them really hard maybe what I could do is use my calf and my pinky together with quick baby bumps and then they start to give to that pressure then I release it because now I broke it into baby steps and they're able to do it so I think we have to give yes give questions that they can answer yes to if our questions are constantly giving us a no then a no answer and we're having nothing but trouble and slumps then we need to take and evaluate that and break it into more steps for them break it down more Another thing to look at is, do you label your horse? Are you constantly calling your horse names? Uh, Is he a jerk? Is he stubborn? Is he crazy? You know, um, or is he your partner? Think of it, um, if if I want my horse to be my partner, I want to earn their trust. I, I throw those words around a lot. Trust, respect, communication, accuse. But they're all really important to building the partnership that you want. So um, an example of that would be if I had this really cool idea for um, an awesome investment um, for someone to invest with me because my product my product was going to be a really good product. And um, so I go to the investor, hey, if you invest in me, so why would this guy give me his money or woman give me this money if my idea is good? They would need to, they would need to trust that my idea was going to work. They would need to trust that I'm not a flake and not going to see this project through. Um, So that's where trust comes. And then once you earn trust, you know, and they see that your product's working, they see that you're working hard, they're going to be comfortable with giving you their money. And then they're going to start to respect you because they're going to respect your hard work and that you value their part in the partnership. And that's where all this comes through. And you know what else is really important is communication. Have you ever been in a relationship where someone didn't communicate? 
uh, it's really a hard relationship. So you have to be a good communicator because how is the horse ever going to know what you want if you don't know how to communicate it? So that's really important. Um, I think about Rocky when it comes to that. Rocky being a you know, uh, ICU baby and had to spend a, a, a month in my lap. We bottle fed him. We had to treat him medically for a month. And he'd really had no sense of boundaries. He really probably thought I was his mom of every bit as Maggie. And, and Maggie was a very passive mother. She didn't uh, discipline him either. And he was such a China baby. Like I thought he would break. He was such a fragile little thing. So we were very gentle with him. And and such so he became very mouthy and playful as he got older so you know I didn't want to be reactive no stop it quit it you know you're a brat you're a pain blah 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 so I started thinking of other things I could do and I realized he really just wants attention so I tried to do other things like um communicate with him I'd try to move a body part when he wants to be mouthy I just make him um, yield his hindquarters or yield his front end or go in a circle around me anything that got him focused on a cue and got his mouth off of being on me where he wanted to be mouthy with me and then I also started doing loving on him like holding his face in my arms and just telling him he's a good boy and scratching in places but I wouldn't let him be mouthy now there's times that I still have to tell him quit or whatever if he's being you know a naughty kid and needs to hit his rules and his boundaries so I'm not saying that I'm totally um you know 100% in the proactive state all the time because there are times when he does something that has to have a quick reaction to of knock it off Rocky but um but I've had to learn to find a balance between loving on him giving him a cue and firmness of of things so so that's a really good example of of finding a happy medium based on the individual uh, horse and the individual um, concern that I have so um it you know you have to think about a lot of times um when someone's disappointed in a relationship, you know, a lot of times you're disappointed in a relationship because there's no clear signals and, and you don't really understand what your boundaries are, or what your time together is. And so by adding things like, like the most important thing to me is to keep it simple. So one cue to move one thing. An example of that would be, um, I want my uh, left leg by the front cinch to move the right front foot one step to the right. And if I specifically think about that, it's going to happen because I've now thought about my left leg by the front cinch moving his right front foot one step to the right. And I put all my energy and focus there so I'm not complicating it with five or six different cues. I might have contact on my rein so he doesn't walk forward, but I still am focused mainly on the biggest cue is my leg to ask the foot to move. So it is important that you do that. You think about one cue to move one thing. And that's important even like if I'm teaching them to face flex to the left. My left hand on my rein my left rein, one ounce of pressure, and I want to see eye or nostril to the inside one inch. And then I release the pressure, you know, and you just build off of that. So again, you make it into steps. Eventually, I want that nose to come all the way back to my foot, but I start off with one inch is enough. And you just build off of that. They're, you know, the steps that you take. So um, it doesn't... So that's why when people say, um, what bit will fix this? Or should I try this bit or whatever? Um, 
it's not the bits aren't really bits are mechanical bits don't train horses okay what does is the psychology of you connecting to their mind so whatever bit you're comfortable in whatever bit they're comfortable in a bit more knowledge is still going to be the most important bit so I, I do agree you need to find something they like something you like but it's not about a physical change as much as it is about a mental change. It's about that communication and connecting to the mind. So that's what you're looking to do. Okay. So you want to wait for that answer and you want to be patient when you ask a question and release and reward quickly. Give that gold star right away, that attaboy, you know, right away. So, um, a lot of times riders are very inconsistent. Um, like let's say you're riding with your friend in the arena and you're holding your reins as you talk to your friend so you're pulling back on your reins the bits engaged the chin straps engaged and you're talking to your friends you don't even realize it when ideally your hands should be down low to their wither with about an inch of slack in your rein with no pressure in their face and but people are, are not, not always consistent and so horses learn to become dull and ignore us because of our inconsistencies Another example of that is if you're in the barrel turn and you're pulling, you're pulling the horse to turn the barrel, but you're leaning far forward in the turn. So that's very confusing as well. Your body says go, your rein says whoa. Um, so a lot of times, again, it, you have to look at yourself and what you're saying to your horse. I truly believe the difference between a good horse and a great horse is the amount of time that someone spends putting into them. A horse person, an awesome horseman or horsewoman is going to build those three important things in a horse. They're going to build that trust. They're going to build that respect that comes from building that trust. And they're going to have an amazing communication of cues with that horse. So you want to learn to be a very proactive rider, not a reactive rider. Um, that is extremely important. You want to be able to move body parts around, know where your feet placement is. Um, you need to learn to communicate with body language and voice. Um, for instance, if I had my horse on a lead rope and I said, um, you know, clucked at him to walk around me lunging, you know, um, I asked him to move off with a cluck. And then when I say the magic word, whoa, and I change my body a little bit, I'd like them to stop and just look at me and focus on me. It would be the same with a rain cue. If I'm walking on them, riding them, and I sit down, take my legs off, exhale, say, whoa, I would like them to stop. If they don't, then I could always pick up my reins, just like if I'm lunging them and I say, whoa, and if they don't stop, I could always bump the lead rope. But I'm gonna give them a chance that I'm gonna ask a cue and I wanna use the lightest cue I can. And if that's my voice or my energy, then so be it. And then I'm gonna wait and if I might increase the cue or I may just go ahead and ask for it. You know, I kind of do a ask, ask, take. You know, I asked you nicely, I'm gonna ask a little bit more and then I'm gonna take it because I need you to pay attention. Now, had I asked and they listened, they would have got an immediate reward cue. And for a horse, the pressure going away and getting to rest and be petted or told good job is a wonderful way to reward a horse. So. A lot of times my riders, I'll tell them, you know, do this this week and practice this. Okay, they'll do it. But they might do it 10 times. 
it really takes like a thousand times for something to become perfect. A thousand circles, a, a thousand gives to the bits, a thousand move away from your leg for the hindquarters or the front end. Can you do a thousand in a day? No, that's probably overkill, but maybe you could do a hundred in a week. And then you have 200 in two weeks and 300 in and three weeks and you see where I'm going. It takes a thousand times before something's a hundred percent. So you have to ask them and you have to think about that, what you're asking them to do. So when, for instance, if I want my horse to stop on their hindquarters, I think about their hindquarters. When I sit down in the saddle and I put my hand down and I take my legs off and I exhale, I'm not thinking about the horse's face or shoulders or front feet. I'm thinking about their behind dropping into the ground and their hind legs getting up under them and them stopping on their hind end as I sit on my hind end. I connect my hips to their hips. Um, it's no different than when I'm working on a perfect circle. I don't think about just the, the nose and the shoulders getting to each quarter turn. I think about the back feet, the hind quarters getting to each quarter turn. I think about the front feet and the back feet on the same tracks. I think about the shoulders reaching and the hips pushing. I visualize what I want to fill in that circle and that's what I think about. I really concentrate on what I'm trying to accomplish. Um, with horse training, there's gonna be highs and lows. And usually um, the lows are when you're starting to teach them something new. Once they start to understand, those become highs. So your roller coaster ride, your mountains and valleys become shorter and smaller and pretty soon they're just little, little molehills are no longer Mount Everest for you. But I will say when you add something new or in barrel racing, if you add a new speed, your roller coaster ride will begin again. You're going to have highs and lows. You're going to have slumps until it evens out again, until they get education with that new speed or that new cue or that new maneuver um, it's all part of it so you have to learn not to be discouraged and realize that it's just an education it's just going from seventh grade to eighth grade from 10th grade to 11th grade from high school to college from college to the real world it's just a progress it's just part of the journey and if you look at things that way it'll make you much more happy with your partnership with your horse because you're not looking at the end result but you're looking at enjoying the process and enjoying the journey and enjoying the small wins and realizing that a slump will pass and things will get better so you have to learn um, to trust those cues you have to learn to be consistent you have to really um, spend a lot of time on repetition. Um, you don't have to get it all done in a day. You need to quit on a good note. Um, just remember, it's just like with us. If you haven't done something in a while, like let's say I haven't done a clinic in six months. You know, maybe I stopped doing clinics over the summer or something. I feel really rusty when I first do my first clinic, but then I'll start doing my clinics every two weeks and I get back in the swing of things and everything's feeling really on fire. And it's same thing when you um, ride a bicycle or ride your horse or maybe go snow skiing. You haven't done it the first day, you feel really awkward and then you're better and better each day after that. So it's the same with your horse. If you haven't worked your horse for a while, don't expect a lot at first. You both need to get back in the swing of things. So maybe just do some trail rides and just do some groundwork, just do some bonding and building off of that. Um, remember to quit 
on a try before you get tired, before they get aggravated. Remember, you can always start back the next day on a positive note rather than ending on a negative note. Um, that's really, really important. Um, remember that things might, if they're perfect at home, let's say they're really great at home, um, you know, the training's going to go up and down. So maybe it's going to get bad when you go somewhere for the first time, like a horse will be fearful. Maybe the first time you put them in the trailer, they're scared, or maybe they're fine loading at home like Rocky. He'll get in all day long at home. But then after the trailer moves and we go buy scary things on the road, he's a little bit slower to want to get back in the trailer to come back home because he's like, well, that ride was a little bit weird, a little bit scary, a little bit out of my element. So sometimes it takes me a few more minutes to cue him and settle him to get back into the trailer to come home so again he'll get better the more he goes but you have to look at it from a horse's standpoint if they're scared of crossing water or going to a new arena with more horses and more trailers we have to go back to basics with them we have to focus on that cue that cue that's a hundred percent every single time that cue that they know because we've done it a thousand times and that will give them more confidence to relax and to be able to handle the new environment, the new scary thing and focus on us and that trust and that respect and that communication of cues that we've established. So all of that is just such a big, big part of training horses. And I know so often I'm always telling people do this dry work, do this drill, do this pattern, you know, work on this rider cue, work on this horse position. But I'm not telling you the nuts and bolts, the psychology of why. And I feel like if I don't, I'm shorting shorting you and I'm shorting myself and I'm not really telling you my program. So that's why I'm talking about these in my podcast and that's why I'm going to go into this more in depth um, over the next few lives in my group because I don't think you can... (laughs) have a relationship with a horse without taking and looking at the psychology of it all and and where you're coming from and where they're coming from and trying to find that happy medium and just realize that um you know it's to me it's better to like I said uh, less is more uh, focus one thing at a time a little bit each day Rome's not built in a day it's brick by brick Um, realize that after a vacation or some time off due to whatever weather vacations um, who knows what everybody comes a little bit untrained everybody comes a little bit uncomfortable and we all have to get back into our routine so so just trust in that and I really hope that you know I've been talking for almost 30 minutes now I would hope that I said a few things that um, excited you to go out and work with your horse or Um, made you think a little bit deeper about you or your horse and maybe makes you want to be a little bit more forgiving or maybe even just a little bit better of a teacher and a partner and um, want to build a a stronger relationship with your horse based on the trust and the respect and better communication. So thanks for tuning in and as always ride with heart.